you have a crazy idea, you know, you want to start a business. And so while you are gainfully employed within the parameters of not like breaking any employment rules, right. Or like working on company time on your side business, the very best way that you can begin to build up a business is by doing it on the side. The online marketing show with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is business consultant and author, Pam Slim. Go to PamelaSlim.com to find out more. In this episode, Pam will be sharing what we need to know about quitting our full-time job and moving into self-employment, going from employee to entrepreneur, if you like. Now, this can be a really tricky phase of life if we're not prepared for it. Um, And that's why Pam has written a book on this exact topic um, to help people through this transition. And um, and she's going to be giving us some of those tips today on this episode. Pam, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Pam, you're the author of a couple of very well-known business books. Um, Let's talk about your first book. It's called Escape from Cubicle Nation, From Corporate Prisoner to Thriving Entrepreneur. Uh, What's the book all about? That book came from actually being um, on the road for about 10 years working as a consultant to corporations. Uh, I started out in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I was born and raised. And contrary to what people think with a title like Escape from Cubicle Nation, I actually had a great corporate experience. <laughs> so <laughs> that's an important thing I always stress at the beginning of any any interview is I was the director of uh, training and development at Barclays Global Investors. And Love the job and it was so fun working internally and, you know, worked with a lot of people who were fired up to do their jobs. Um, I did find even when I was in my full-time role that there were a few people who were just interested in doing something else. And then when I left in 1996 and I went out on my own and started to work for about 10 years within many different companies, uh, initially with the purpose of creating better places to work, right? Teaching people management skills and doing executive coaching and team building and all of that. I found a similar pattern. It was kind of like doing a giant um, unintended market research project where out of many groups of people who I talked to, some of whom worked really happy to be in a corporate environment, right? They, they didn't have entrepreneurial aspirations, but there was always a subgroup that would pull me aside usually quietly and say, you know, how did you do it? How did you go out on your own? What are the steps? And what that led me to begin to think about was what are the things that are not currently being said or written about Mm -hmm. in all the amazing literature that exists about starting a business? I remember when I was researching my book proposal for Escape from Cubicle Nation, and there were like 72 million results on Google for, you know, start a business. So it wasn't like people didn't know what the 10 steps were. What I realized is, is that there were some very specific characteristics and issues that pertain to people who had grown up in a corporate environment, right? And weird Mm -hmm. things like, Fear of telling your parents that you're going to throw away your cushy corporate job in order to start a business or um, all of the, you know, dealing with uncertainty about really running your own business when you've been used to being in a much more structured corporate environment where people know you and they know your skills. So a lot of it was more on the, you know, human side, kind of the fear change. But I also realized that I needed to 
um, write a book. And, and this was based on actually working with a lot of people who were going through the experience mm-hmm. that integrated those two experiences. Um, and what I found sometimes is that there might be people who would talk about fear in general, right? Or procrastination mm-hmm. and motivation in general. And then people who talked about business and, and entrepreneurship, what I wanted to do, which I did in my first book, is really to marry those two things together and to say, here's the first stage of what you go through when you're trying to figure out your business idea and your market. And by the way, here's where you're going to freak out on the personal side, you know, and here's what you can do about it. So that that was really the the inspiration behind Escape from Cubicle Nation. And it was really written when I was actively working as a coach with many hundreds of people who were, you know, eventually over the eight years that I did that many hundreds of people that were actually going through that transition of leaving their corporate job to start a business. Okay. Um, so typically, what are some reasons why people want to leave their job or get fed up of their corporate America job or you know corporate UK, corporate Australia job, whatever the case may be? Why do people get dissatisfied with that kind of job? You know, it's funny. I think Daniel Pink in his book, Drive, summed up the categories probably better than anybody. And those are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, you know, I wrote mine before, I think before his came out or maybe it was around the same time, mm-hmm. but the, those drivers, you know, people who want to feel like they have more control over their schedule and that can be for a whole range of things like, uh, you know, being able to be active physically or being able to actively parent and not have to be sitting in an office for, you know, 12 hours a day sometimes like that, that those are real issues for a lot of people. Um, but the mastery and purpose I found was something that was a real driver for some people um, in a lot of much larger companies. You can be about, you know, five or six times removed from the actual customer. So you can be working on things that you, you honestly don't really know, like what difference they make in the world. <laughs> and for some people, you know, that's OK. They feel good about performing a function and doing a good job and supporting a larger company. But for other people, I think that's more the demographic that I served They were saying, you know what, I want to feel that connection. I want to know that I am using my life to make a meaningful difference in the world and to be doing something that's really relevant. Um, And, and, you know, the other thing I think is just people who have more the characteristics of wanting more risk and excitement and change and growth uh, are the kinds of people I find that really thrive the most in entrepreneurship. So what stops people from doing this? Why don't they just leave? Um. Good common sense. I mean, God forbid. <laughs> I am the last person who's going to say, screw it, just quit your job and it'll all work out. It actually doesn't all work out mm-hmm. if you don't do some thinking. If you, I, I'm a huge proponent of what I affectionately call the side hustle, which is you have a crazy idea, you know you want to start a business. And so while you are gainfully employed within the parameters of not like breaking any employment rules, right? Or like working on company time on your side business, the very best way that you can begin to build up a business is by doing it on the side, right? Mm -hmm. Test the assumptions, um, begin to build your platform, uh, work with real clients. There's a huge gigantic difference between a great idea in your head and money in your account from a person who you don't know who bought your product and service like that is a, it's like an ocean. (laughs) It's an ocean difference. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing I think for many entrepreneurs to understand, but that's where I begin to see a lot more confidence in, um, in entrepreneurs where they're like, wait a minute, you know, I'm doing stuff. People are relating to it. You know, maybe your side hustle is designing websites or something, right? The demand is increasing. I'm getting referrals. People love my work. You know, this is, this is feeling kind of real. And that I think is a much better 
orientation toward quitting your job than just saying, screw it, I'm going to figure it all out. Now, mm-hmm. that said, that's actually what I did. <laughs> so, so the difference between, I think, the way I think about it is that worked for me because I was starting the kind of business that was a consulting business that was very related to that which I was being paid for as an employee. So I had, you know, deep subject matter expertise and experience. And I also have a huge tolerance for risk. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference. You know, you might somebody who's a friend of yours who loves to like skydive and take gigantic risks and, you know, day trade or something, right? Might say, screw it, just quit your job, you know, and where you look at your own profile and you might realize that you're much more risk averse. Like really think about whom it is that's giving you advice and, and create the kind of plan that works for you. My personal transition, Pam, I, I was really fortunate that I worked at a company that supported what I was doing. I was just really very honest with them, told them that I was doing my own business on the side. And they let me go part time, almost like a two step process where because I needed more hours to work on my own business, they reduced my hours working there. But I, I still worked part time. So I had a little bit of, of, you know, a little bit of security, a little bit of income coming in from the part time work with them. So, you know, they cut my hours in half and I was able to work on my business more and more. And eventually I was able to go full time a few months later. Um, so that was how it happened for me. And it was really nice. Do you find that that's a common story or am I just really super lucky that it happened for me that way? You are so lucky. And I just want to give a huge hug to your company and everybody in it, because that is the kind of company that we need, I think, in the new world of work. That's that's what I write about in my latest book, In Body of Work, right? That yeah. That's a company that understands you're a talented guy, right? Mm-hmm. Your work is valued um, and where you can create a situation where you're able to pursue your longer term goals and help them with your shorter term goals. That's great, because I imagine, tell me if I'm wrong in this, but I imagine that you have kind of fond things to say about that company because of the way they supported you, right? If like somebody asked you if it was a good place to work, one of your talented friends, you probably would say yes. You know, you probably would. And and tell tell me, I mean, we haven't mentioned a company name, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but like that, that's a common scenario, right? Where the the work relationship is one where everybody treats each other as adults Mm -hmm. and you respect the fact that you can't have a mafia culture, you know, like holding on to people. And if they leave the family, then they're excommunicated and, you know, you ridicule them and try to take them down on the outside. Um, You know, that is, that's just not effective anymore. So that was the long answer. Like, I'm so happy to hear that. It makes me happy. That is not common. And it's not Mm -hmm. common because I think, you know, for some of the folks in corporate leadership, they just don't know how to address that issue. You know, it kind of scares them. Mm -hmm. What happens if I start encouraging all my employees to be entrepreneurs? Am I just being a really stupid manager, right? Am Mm -hmm. I like going to totally screw up the performance of my company um, if I'm talking openly about people's side projects? And I think, you know, in some cases, if you're not prepared, you don't know how to handle it, it can make your job more complicated. But that is the new model of what we're looking for. You know, as companies that aren't scared to talk to folks, how you have to be as an employee is to really be indispensable, right? I mean, yeah. you you created that value where they said, it's worth it to us to cut back your hours in half because we really mm-hmm. want you there. You're so valued and we trust you. I mean, that's that's how I would interpret their actions. Yeah, I, I would as well. Actually, the day that I left, they tried to to keep me there. They did. Um, they, they kind of went through the pros and cons of me quitting, and wanted to sort of make sure that I was 
aware of all the risks of what I was about to do. And, um, you know, it, it was flattering in a way because they were trying to keep me. They, they offered me a better position, more money and that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it was, it was pretty much use of, of them doing it because I'd, I'd really made up my mind, but it was nice that they, that they tried to keep me. So, you know, it was a really smooth transition for me, but I'm imagining from, from what you've said to me and how, you know, that's not very common that, other people aren't going to find this quite as easy. So it's really great that you've written the book on this subject so that people can make this transition. And so, you know, I definitely recommend that if you are in this position and your employers um, are maybe not quite so supportive, then definitely go out and buy uh, Pam's book because it will walk you through how to do this. Okay, so on a slightly different note, Pam, let's talk about the reality of life as an entrepreneur because what I didn't anticipate, you know, the day after I quit, the day after I left my job and I went totally alone, I wasn't quite prepared for what happened next. So can you tell us exactly what is involved in the transition from employee to entrepreneur? Because, you know, life really does change, doesn't it? It does change. And I think there is, um, there are a couple different components of that. There's really the psychological process that happens in that transition. And then there is the business process that needs to transition. So the, the first one, I think psychologically, what you are doing, especially if you've been, if you've really grown up in a corporate environment where you've always had, you know, goals delivered to you, you get your paycheck delivered on a regular basis, you know, you're operating in that environment. When you go full time as an entrepreneur, it really is a total shift in identity. There's all kinds of behaviors and practices that you need to develop in order to be effective as an entrepreneur. And in fact, what I find with many clients I've worked with in the past, they were shocked by the difference between working on a side hustle, where in some ways, you know, they say the busier you are, the more productive you are. (laughs) The fact that you had that full-time gig made you super efficient in your side hustle so that when you now have all your time to devote to your company, you can spin out, you know, just totally like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So that's where from the business planning perspective, you do want to get lots of clarity and structure around saying probably before you quit, right? Mm-hmm. What are the first three months are going to look, you know, look at in the short term, the first three months of my full-time startup, what's my objective? Am I, you know, building my product? Am I getting my first three customers? Uh, usually that's the one, right? You need to get cash flow as it was the reality for most people. So you need to know what those objectives are so that when you wake up every day, you can know what activities that you're supposed to be doing, you know, because it's, it's easy to kind of get lost. What I often recommend to people um, that are going through that experience is it's okay if you feel kind of weird. You're, there's been a lot of uh, work and research done on the process of change and transition, and they call it, you know, like uh, the neutral zone um, is what William Bridges, who writes a lot about change and transition, where you're like wandering in the desert. You know, you feel kind of weird. You're like spacey. You're not this nor that. You're not really locked into your business, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's actually a normal way to feel. So if you're feeling that way in the first part of your business, you know, sometimes people can have regret like, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, (laughs) because I don't feel good. I don't immediately feel like Richard Branson every morning. And that's just going to take some time and some planning. Um, You know, on the again, on the pragmatic business side, the transition is, man, you're going to go in there. It's going to take you 20 times longer than than you think to make some things happen and and other things like weird, random, serendipitous things will happen that are great. And then things that you considered like complete shoe-ins, right? The deal you knew, you knew you had a partnership that you thought was great is going to totally blow up in your face. And like, that's the adventure. That's like the hero's journey part of the experience of entrepreneurship. 
and that never stops the ups and downs you know they they happen even up until the present day that that never changes but but like you said it is an adventure that you get used to in the end so during this transition process what sacrifices might we have to make um in some cases, they're financial sacrifices. So I profiled a lot of people in my first book, An Escape, about uh, people who had made really conscious decisions to downscale. You know, some people sold their huge executive mansion or, you know, version of that, right? Large house in the suburbs or something for something that was a little bit more simple, cut expenses, got, you know, very clear about uh, making sure that they were being thoughtful um, about their financial choices, because that can be one thing as you're getting a lot of your infrastructure in place, your, you know, business systems and uh, website and customer service processes and all these things that um, it just takes some time that doesn't always lead directly to revenue. You know, if, if you, I've also seen people spend like the entire first year just focusing on that stuff. And I'm like, um, do you think maybe we should, get some clients, you know, like when, when's that going to be coming into the process? So you, you kind of want, want to watch that, um, want to watch that process, I think. Do you think that there's going to be some sacrifices with our time, especially if we're doing the day job plus what we're trying to start up on the side? Do you think that we're going to be working long hours, probably burning the candle at, at both ends perhaps? Uh, it could be. I mean, for people who are doing the side hustle, it is. I mean, it, it's kind of the short term game, right? Mm -hmm. The 18 to 24 month kind of game. I find um, just from a energy perspective and everything, I mean, some of it depends on like your age and your your personal situation, right? For mm -hmm. folks who are, have a partner or have kids, dogs that need to be walked, you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> it can be really taxing because you are taking that time from your own rest, from relationships with other people. You know, and I know when I was in my 20s, uh, really from the age of 20 to 30, I wasn't married, I didn't have any kids. And I, my side hustle was as a volunteer, but I was really like a full-time executive director of a nonprofit martial arts organization, right? And I would work full-time during the day in corporate. I'd, you know, jump on the train, go change my clothes into martial art clothes and teach for three or four hours every night, right? And then, mm -hmm teach, perform, do stuff on the weekends. And that worked for me for about 10 years until I got pneumonia, you know, and that was actually what prompted me to quit my corporate job and leave. I turned 30 and I, you know, kind of made that change. So it can have that kind of effect when you're doing the side hustle, which is where you really want to be thoughtful about how much time you work. You know, you, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you're healthy. You need to make sure that you put attention to the relationships that are really important to you because, Many people could tell you stories about how it really taxes relationships, you know, and you have to be careful about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what point do you think that we're ready to leave our job? You mentioned earlier about cash flow. Is that the key? Or, you know, we have to be generating a predictable level of cash flow before it's, it's safe to cut ties with our full time job? I mean, that is what I, that's what I advise. Right. That, mm -hmm. you know, one of the indicators to me that somebody it's not just cash flow. I've met people who have saved three years worth of expenses. Right. And they don't have debt. And so it's not really a matter of needing to have the cash flow. It's proof of concept. It's that you don't know if something is really going to be viable until you begin to sell it to real people, you know, to get some traction for people who are not independently wealthy or such good financial planners, which is many, many people. Right. Mm -hmm. It's yep. more the norm. Um, then they need to be generating money as soon as possible, just in order to not totally stress out. So I think that is a huge, hugely important thing to be looking at, 
you you do want to make sure that you have your basic infrastructure taken care of. It's so not sexy and glamorous to talk about, but let me tell you, you need to have your business structure, you know, your legal structure in place. You need to have all your ducks lined up in terms of, you know, business accounts and liability insurance and a tax plan for understanding exactly what to do. That can really pull under businesses that really do gain some success if they don't have the foundation in place. You know, so when you have those things, then you know that you can actually grow with some stability. And the nice thing is those are things you can research and get going while you're still fully employed. You know, like Mm -hmm. those are, it's a really good foundation to have in place. Pam, how do you feel about the internet and technology and just, you know, the opportunities for us in 2015 and the modern day world that we, that we live in? Do you think that there's a bigger opportunity for people to take this transition in their lives than there was maybe just a couple of decades back? Oh my gosh. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's incredible. It's changed my life. And, and I started my online business in 2005 with Escape from Cubicle Nation. I've been self-employed for 18 years and it's a totally different world. Right. I mean, my first business was a consulting service based in-person business and it, the kinds of opportunities now that we have with different types of business models, even when you have a service business uh, where you're able to serve clients virtually, you know, people doing coaching or consulting virtually using a lot of the meeting technologies that we have that make it easier to connect when we're not in person. Um, it's It's crazy. I mean. It almost is <laughs> the the other the other side of that is it can be very overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? People see so many opportunities, everything from some internet scam, right, to just endless ways that you could make money. And so you do have to be thoughtful about, um, you know, how are you wired? I think people who might already be comfortable with technology and uh, you know use social media and, and so forth can can be at a, a slight bit of an advantage depending upon the business, right? As opposed to somebody who has never had that experience in their corporate life where they have to learn everything. And that that's, it's pretty hard to be building all those things at once. Brilliant. Well, Pam, thank you for talking about Escape from Cubicle Nation. Um, I know that many of my listeners of this podcast um, are in this exact stage of their life right now. So it's been really valuable. Let's go on to talk about your latest book, Body of Work, Finding the Thread That Ties Your Story Together. What's this book all about? Um, body of work is really kind of a natural stage of evolution of all the work that I've done after having worked as an employee, uh, ran a nonprofit, worked in so many different sectors and then worked in entrepreneurship. I realized in the latter stage of working with a lot of my startup clients that I was seeing a pattern in the startup world where people were very light and dark side of the force to use a Star Wars analogy, right? It was like working for yourself is great. You're creative, sexy, you know, successful if you are. And if you work for anybody else, basically you're a drone and, and less than, and that is so simplistic, not helpful and not useful as we look at what are all these necessary segments of our economic society, right? We're all interdependent. We need small, medium and large companies and nonprofits and universities and all of that, right? In order to keep us all engaged and thriving. Mm-hmm. So what I started to look at is really what are the skills that are necessary in the new world of work in order to keep yourself indispensable in any kind of work mode that you're in, right? I've known entrepreneurs you might have as well 
who made the leap into working for themselves, did that and even did it successfully, but then made a choice based on just, you know, personal preference, or maybe they started having a family or something. And they said, you know what, I think I want to go back to an organization. Mm -hmm. More and more people are doing that. They're moving between work modes. So often we have typical career development advice that's given that's really based on the, the old way of the world, right? First of all, that you have to choose in your life if you're going to be in a, a corporate employee or if you're going to be an entrepreneur. That's not the reality today. People are going to be doing all kinds of different things throughout the course of their career. So there are skills you need to develop, I think, to be relevant and indispensable in many different work modes. And then there also is a new way that you have to tell a story about your own body of work so people understand why you, you know, fished for salmon in Alaska and then you went to India and did a, you know, nonprofit water project and then you worked at a startup in Silicon Valley. I mean, people have these crazy backgrounds, right? Yeah. Which is so cool. But you're the one that actually has to provide that story. You can't show all that to somebody and expect them to be able to understand uh, that with that experience, why are you the perfect person to hire in their company, you know, or to hire you as, um, as an independent business owner to do a project for them. So how would you define a body of work? A body of work is everything that you create, contribute, affect, and impact throughout the course of your life. That, that's the big picture. The, the easiest way to think about it is when you're on the last day of your life, hopefully many years from now, and you're looking back, what do you see? Mm -hmm. What are the tangible things that you created? You know, books, software, code, organizations, art, writing, etc. But also, what are the intangible things that you've created? Love, community, right? How were you as a person? What's that emotional wake that you have left as you've walked through your life? I think all of that is really your body of work. Pam, you said that we share this through story, whether that's sharing it with a potential client or, or a potential employer. You know, how do we actually share that story? If we have one of those, you know, varied backgrounds, like you mentioned, where, you know, it, we've done all sorts of different things in our life. How do we link it all together and share that in a story? Um, there's, there's a couple ways. One is just how it is that you present yourself in an online platform. So, you know, what's your about page on your website? What's your LinkedIn profile description? What, you know, how, what's the summary on your resume? There are some concrete ways and places that we need to be clear about the general story that we're telling about our experience to a general audience. Mm -hmm. When it comes to specific stories that you would tell, for example, a job interview, that's where you would do what any great storyteller presenter is going to do, which is really research and understand what are the important things to your audience, right? What is that employer looking for? What are their pain points? What do they hope to see? And then the metaphor I use in body of work is we all have a whole bunch of ingredients, right? All these skills, experiences, scars, you know, all these things we can pull from. We don't need to put all of that, you know, in the middle of that interview. We don't need to tell every single story of what we've done. We need to be pulling the relevant ingredients, preparing the relevant stories. If we're going into interview for an investment bank, right, mm -hmm. that would be different than if we're going to be interviewing for a startup. And that's just intelligent preparation and storytelling in the moment for whatever you're doing, you know, and in the the thing that I, I, you know, storytelling has been a part of our human experience forever, right? That's the way that we've actually uh, carried on traditions and educated each other from the beginning of time. 
um, where I think it's more and more relevant now is you know anything that we're trying to do, start a Kickstarter project to get it funded, right? Do a keynote presentation to get people fired up to take action on something, do a job interview, do a sales letter online for something we're selling. That is storytelling, right? And that's based on really understanding who's our audience and what action do we want them to take. Pam, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today um, and all this information and tips with us as well. Where can we go to find out more about you and also where can we go to buy your books? You can find me at PamelaSlim.com, P-A-M-E-L-A-S-L-I-M.com. And my books are really anywhere books are sold. Um, you can see them on my website with links, but Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, independent bookseller, whatever is your favorite one. And I, I know Body of Work and Escape are both available in the UK. Actually, um, Escape from Cubicle Nation was renamed Escape from Corporate Hell. When it was released in the UK, I was told that a cubicle is somewhat akin to a toilet or a commode. So, um, yeah. or as one of the potential answers. So that's the name that you'll find it under, um, in the Amazon UK. Sure. Well, on that note, that's the end of today's episode. And um, thank you for joining us. And if you did enjoy today's show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And finally, Pam, it was a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Likewise. Thanks for having me. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.